Greetings and welcome to the Pure Report. I'm your host, Rob Ludeman, and it is time to bring the orange again with everybody's favorite segment. Yes, that's right. This is volume three of Unplugged with your fantastic host, J.D. Wallace, and I will turn it over to our MC, Andrew Miller. Take it away. Thanks so much, Rob. As always, good to see you. Even though no, I, I, even though this is audio only, but we're looking at each other, so you know. Hey, we're gonna do a little bit differently today. We've still got modules. We're gonna talk about reinventing some news, what you're doing this week. But the big one is absolutely gonna be all about pumpkin beer. No, uh, well, actually, it's gonna be about <laughs> maybe <this>. not. <laughs> yeah, that that'll be the fourth one. But number three, right before that, and just a little bit longer, will be a lot about flash rate XL and some of what JD and I have been seeing. So, so, Andrew, I, so it's still going to be multiple modules. Yeah. I feel a little dirty, though, because, you know, we haven't actually had the public launch yet of Excel. And so I feel like I'm kind of doing something I'm not supposed to here. It's kind of cool. This is the magic of recording and time shifting. And we step in the time machine together and it comes out. Hopefully, don't, don't I'm, I'm presuming that you're not going to get us in trouble here, Rob. You're not going to release this sooner than you're, you're supposed to. So, hey, I don't know that our editing skills can move that quickly after we press uh, <laughs> end on this one. But uh, yeah, it should come out really close to after the really exciting uh, launch announcement. I'm really thrilled to hear you guys hash through this because I think I'll have Mr. Lee Worthy on to do some more of the business mm-hmm. aspects of Excel. But I'm looking forward to hearing you both hash through the technical chops and the whys. I love when you guys get into the whys in the house. Great stuff. This is where for better or worse, part of JD, I mean, like our job is we get to, we were responsible to talk about this stuff under, under NDA before it launches. So we sometimes have the unfair advantage of having to try out our talk tracks and our stories and seeing what people care about. And then you figure that out. It, it, sometimes we look smarter, but mainly it's just because we got to do it a couple of times already. So sometimes it even makes me a little sad because as, uh, as these things hit their public lunch, uh, launch on one hand, I'm really proud. On the other hand, it's, I know that I, I won't have as many of those conversations but it's always cool because we don't slow down here at Pure. We're always working on the next big thing. And so I know that there'll be other NDA conversations that I get to go have, right? Something about change, this industry. I don't know. Okay. Module number one is going to be about conferences and stuff in the news. And this time we're going to dial in on reInvent and news coming out of that. Of course, this this is the end of the Andy Jassy era, right? You know, and going on to, and I'm actually going to do a quick pulse for, if you're listening, can you name Andy Jassy's replacement? I actually struggled with this at times. I'm going to let you go look it up on Google right now, JD or Rob, if you want to call it out, feel free. Otherwise, I'll just make it a, a fun little thing for people to Google while we're listening. The one thing that I took away from this, and there's so much coverage on reInvent, right? Is that Amazon is continuing to morph and AWS is separate from Amazon, right? And that they are, while they have been long embraced the bring out application primitives, you know, give all the building blocks and you build them into things like as pure. We looked at those primitives and said, oh, we'll build it into something that looks like a storage platform in the cloud, cloud block store. Okay. And we'll partner with CloudSnap and all the other pure things. They are starting to now move a little bit more vertical into a little bit of some of the traditional ISV space. It was mentioned of like doing things with call centers, et cetera. Um, On even a personal side note, though, I've sometimes gotten a little bit cynical about conferences uh, just because I've been doing it for a while and sometimes you get tired and you're, you're, you're running ragged. I had a friend who was there for the first time. Uh, she's a developer, DevOps, she, amazing. We both started way long ago in help desk days together and she's now doing AI and ML stuff and she was just going on about all the self-driving vehicle things, to, you know, courses that she did while she was there. Just like really neat to hear someone who's like still really jazzed about this and like, yeah, just, it actually kind of refreshes my technical soul a little bit. Robert Could Jenny. it be- 
could it be yeah. that even, you know, even though you've got to start with those building blocks, uh, you're thinking entire workflow of how you're going to monetize that. Right. And so AWS, yeah. they say, okay, we've got to, we've got to build the infrastructure so that we can go do something, you know, maybe more interesting on top of that. How do we monetize that while we do it? Well, we, we make those available to our customers. And then we also use those as a customer ourselves, uh, you know, drinking your own champagne or eating your own dog food whichever one of those that you prefer, but eventually you get to that player, you get to start building applications on top and you take that to your customer. It's kind of this evolution. It's interesting to see uh, how far that takes us, but I've got, I got a, a, a reinvent FOMO. I didn't get to go. And so I actually have a next door neighbor who works for Amazon, not for AWS. So he's a customer now of AWS at Amazon and he got to go. So I, I get to hear all the fun stories, but maybe, maybe next year. I think though, JD, you had a uh, you had a shout out to some listeners, and I think we're just putting in this in the news section because we weren't sure where we wanted to put it, but we knew we wanted to talk about a couple amazing people. Yeah, yeah that's right. Absolutely. I'll jump. Yeah, you want to go, go first, JD? I'll jump. No, I'll go first. Yeah, no, just fun when we get feedback on the program and actually realize that people like you are out there listening, which is uh, very reaffirming for the effort that we all put in. But uh, one email I got was just a response from our own pure SE manager, John Bradley, who I think is on the East Coast, if I'm not mistaken. I didn't look too closely, but J- JB's in the Pack Northwest, man. Oh my gosh, he's in Pack Northwest. Gosh, yeah. right. oh, you know what? I, I just ran into him in the office the other day. All actually. right, all right. It's because his daughter works in Boston and he listened to the Madison Long episode when I had a gent from Cloud Ops in Canada. And we got to a customer example at the end where there's a climate research company that is using Pure to do lots of interesting things with uh, with big data for climate research. And he wrote me a quick note and just said, hey, great episode with Madison. And by the way, guess what? It was really cool when you guys talked about that because my daughter is in Boston working at that exact company that you talked about. So quick shout out to JB. Thanks for listening, man. And thanks for that feedback and JD you you bumped into somebody who's a fan as well I did too and I'm gonna kind of we sometimes talk about you know what you did last week and so I'm gonna take this opportunity to talk a little about about what I did last week was I can you believe this I've I've been a Puritan for over a year and a half now and finally last week got to take my first actual trip to go see some customers and some partners on an airplane. It was amazing. Yes, I did all the right things. I, I've got my booster. I was wearing a mask. I was being very, very cautious and careful. But I tell you what, it was absolutely a thrill to get to go finally start seeing um, some of our great customers and partners in, in real life again. And one of the folks that I got to meet, a gentleman named Scott, who is one of our customers in the Pacific Northwest, got to have dinner with Scott and Scott was telling me, Hey, you know what? Uh, I actually agree with you, JD. I think the best thing you can do with that pumpkin beer is pour it down the drain. (laughs) It's going to be in every episode here. Every episode. That's a, that's a callback. That's great. But, uh, but no, in all seriousness, Scott uh, has been listening to, all of our episodes, even before the Pure Report Unplugged, had a lot of great things to say about you know what you've built here, Rob, and some of the interviews you've had. And it's really meant a lot to him as he's gone through this journey with us at Pure Storage. And so, Scott, I know you're listening, and I just want to say, had a great time. Shout out. Thank you uh, and all of our fans for, for listening to the Pure Report and the Pure Report Unplugged. We appreciate it. I feel like if uh, he hadn't agreed with you, you might not have gotten that shout out, JD. I, I don't know if I'm being too cynical here, but hey, so uh, about pouring, about about but pouring certain things down the drain. So you know, that, that's the great thing about being on the show is I get to tell the stories, right? <laughs> maybe maybe he did say he loved pumpkin beer, and I, I get to go retell. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> so going into segment number two, 
And actually, Jade, you almost alluded to this a little bit. Uh, so this would be in the category of what you doing this week. This is also maybe a kind of a little bit of a hidden way. We're, we're pulling back the curtain a little bit here to do this, this potpourri of things that's interesting. Hopefully it's interesting to us. Hopefully interesting to you. I'll kick it off. So, so this week, along with recording this with uh, two of my favorite people, with another one of my favorite people, uh, I feel like now I'm now, now I'm kind of double dipping here, but with Kyle Keller, we're doing a coffee break on Pure One and actually trying to do a live demo during that. We'll see how well that goes by the time you listen to this. We're actually now in the 12th episode. JD, you joined me back at the very beginning of that. Want to have you on again over there. I think Scott mentioned listening to those two, which is very cool. You know, Andrew, if, if you're going to do live demos, you've absolutely piqued my interest. You know what a huge fan I am of live demos. And I think it's got to be so much fun and so scary to do that on a coffee break. And so I would I would be absolutely delighted to come help you do a live demo for a coffee break. Just a little scary, but, you know, you got to try it. <laughs> the other thing I was going to mention is it was actually this is now about a, maybe a week or two ago or so. Uh, we have one customer we've been working with. They're in, they're in the Fortune, you know, 10, 20-ish range. Okay, we got to anonymize. But someone who has large fleets of stuff. It's actually some folks there that I've worked with for going back 10 years now in, di- in different roles. And we had what we called a tech extravaganza. Maybe call it a technical briefing instead of an executive breeding, br- briefing. And they, they already have some peer and they're doing some things. So we were actually just kind of wandering through a whole bunch of different pieces from a little bit of a technical lens around, you know, what's flash ray and where it's going and what's the vision actually what, what was it live demo of walking through some of the pieces around pure one even getting to some of the origin of Flashblade, looking at everything in the pure portfolio let's pretend everything was created for the cloud how would you look at it that way looking at our, our nas strategy and even kind of some application stuff and of course you might not be surprised to hear that ransomware was in there so it was almost this kind of smorgasbord of going through a whole bunch of different topics but what was even better about it was while Kyle and I were talking a lot because we, we tag teamed this one is that it was more conversational than one way. And it was three hours, but it didn't feel like it because it was just more like we were rapping back and forth about stuff that they were interested in that we find interesting. And the three hours just flew by. So it was a lot of fun. I think the um, yeah, I, I think that's all that I've got on my end, Robert J.D., well, I think that both of those, it really highlights the importance of those customer interactions and that feedback loop. And, you know, it's really great that we're starting to get back to more of that. I mean, you know, we've been doing it through Zoom for a while, but I, I know everybody here is a little burnout. And so I, I'm super excited. The only thing I'd add is, you know, in addition to meeting Scott and having a great conversation, you know, I, I had throughout the course of my week, if I really had to distill down the theme of, of what came up the most, uh, two things really, and in both very tightly uh, flash recover and safe mode, right? So customers still very much want to know what can do to help protect themselves. Ransomware still, like you pointed out, you know, how do I protect myself from ransomware or data loss events? Um, and we're more and more thinking about how do I recover very quickly? And so you know, customers seeing some of them bringing together uh, what Keezity is doing with the top up with flash bringing that together as a single product not a uh, uh, solution but built together called flash uh, that's been a something that we talked a lot last week with those guys and then layering continuing that conversation about data protection and you know ransomware what we're doing with safe mode both on the flash array and flash blade being able to essentially give you not only an immutable but an immutable and resilient copy of your data sets you know th- those are those are really what i saw still being top of mind with customers 
think you had a busy week too, Rob. Yeah, you know, it, I'm, it brings to mind, there's a number of memes out there, right? And the, it's the, you know, what what I think I do, what my parents think I do, what my friends think I do. And I'm in the middle of one of those for the marketing meme, you know, look up marketing, what people think I do meme. And that's about where I am. We're in the middle of FY23 planning. We're doing budgeting, all the really, really sexy stuff um, that, uh, that goes on as you're emerging into a new fiscal year. But I will prep for people some of the upcoming Pure Report podcasts. Great slate forthcoming that you can look forward to. I just published a Life Sciences Primer with Dr. Devika Garg, our doctor that's on our team that uh, uh, is smarter than all of us uh, around life sciences and what's going on with AI in that space related to data. Mr. Sean Rosemarin is returning for, I think, now the third year running to deliver his uh, calendar year 22 predictions, always a fun one because it's in technology, but also uh, some sociological aspects, what's going on with life and, and maybe the return to work. And I'll, you know, I'll see what else he's got on his mind. And then also I've got the, the wonderful Diane Saucier who's going to come on and talk about the financial sector. And wow, Accelerate planning. We were talking about Accelerate a little bit before we jumped on to record here. We're already in the midst of that. Really excited for Accelerate and what's going to happen this year. Stay tuned for more news, but is going to be exciting. And given big news... That's a good segue back to you, Andrew, because I'm really excited for you guys to get into the big XL. We are into section number three. This week is going to focus on Flash Array XL. So you're like, what is that? Maybe you've already heard by now. You've probably seen stuff on the website. You know, one thing that's actually like we alluded to earlier, part of part of our job, JD, it's it's our responsibility, but it's also frankly our privilege too is that we are an extension of product management to talk to customers. We talk about things that are NDA. We do it very carefully, make sure there's not recording. We put the right stuff on our slides with all the safe harbor things, you know, that kind of good stuff. So we've actually been talking for the last month or three, give or take, about this platform. And I think that all we really need to say about it is just it's a it's a five U box with 40 slots and two controllers and nine PCIe slots. Is that that's about it, right? Whoa, you got my propeller hat spinning. I love it. Let's go all into the, the speeds and feeds, right? <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. It's actually more all about the use cases, I think, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it, look, it's fun to geek out on technology. We're going to do that a little bit. We're going to throw a couple things in there. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, it's what our customers are doing with this product that really matters. And, you know, you're absolutely right. We, we are not... I love how we name things up here. You know, we're not burying the lead here, right? What is it? It's flash array XL. What do you think it is? It's an extra large flash array. It's extra large in terms of scale, of performance, of capacity, all of those things. And what are you going to do with that extra large scale? Well, a couple of things. Some customers just have these ultra high demanding mission critical workloads that they can't solve on a current flash rate X, you know, and they're, they might be bringing multiple X's together to do this. So now I've got a couple of different uh, flash arrays to manage, um, or they may just need higher capacity and performance for, you know, a single large workload. And for all of those, that is squarely where we are tar targeting flash array XL. Um, think of now there's a lot of applications that could potentially mm -hmm. be right. But if I'm going to cherry pick a few that are probably well known to kind of illustrate SAP HANA, Oracle, SQL Server, VMware, all really great candidates for this new extra large flash array. So at core, it's a bigger flash array X, 
XL. And now I'm thinking about t-shirt sizing, by the way. I feel like we need to go back and rename Flash Ray X as like Flash Ray L. So it goes to L to XL. And then we need to fill in with M and S. And yeah, that feels like a bad riff. Well, I think the t-shirt sizing thing only works so far. It is a bigger Flash Ray. But there's even some interesting kind of backstory here, right? We've had... We've had customers that have wanted bigger boxes for a while, right? I mean, because there are customers that literally have fleets of flash rays out there. So they've been asking for also there's some level here of this is kind of a reflection of Pure's continuing success. I'm going a little bit over the top here, but there are now enough customers to invest the engineering cycles. But even before Flash Ray XL existed, there are customers that have fleets of arrays and they can handle that via API first approach due to pure simplicity. You know, all the stuff that actually goes into making it possible. Pure one, right? I mean, look, to be really clear, we make it really easy to manage a lot of flash trays at scale, not to mention one of our other recent announcements, Pure Fusion, uh, giving our customers the ability nice. to build their own API-centric programmatic way to address fleets of flash arrays and really change that paradigm. So it, we make it easy to manage a lot of these, but sometimes it's nice to have the efficiency of being able to do more with less space, more with less cost, more with less cooling. And so all of those things really are kind of driving that density in FlashRay XL, right? So, and I love the Fusion comment because there's even sometimes thought here. And by the way, we're we're assuming that you've, if you're listening to this, you've probably already looked at the website and seen that FlashRay XL is an increase in performance, really around you know throughput and and IOPS, and also it's an increase in capacity. Okay, set that aside for a minute. What I find interesting though is that this still at an architectural level doesn't mean you run away from the concept of failure domains, right? You may say, like for VDI architecture, I want to have pods of infrastructure, you know, kind of thing. So you may still define that with a bunch of X70s or some X90s. So, or you may say for some single tier one applications that I want to fulfill that with an XL130 or an XL170. So it is an expansion of the family, but it doesn't mean everything just has to run up to the top of the family because it, it's a family, right? And that I think that even goes into when we sometimes have fun with it around saying kind of what it is and also what it isn't. Let's start with what it is, though, I think. Well, and first, I want to do a little yes and on your failure mm -hmm. domain comment, right? Because I think that's absolutely true. And we need to think about those those domains and how we make sure that we're protecting ourselves, especially in those events of catastrophic failures. But one of the things that we're doing with FlashRate XL is we're increasing the resiliency, availability, and serviceability. Mm -hmm. And I want to be clear already incredibly high on flash array, but we're doing some things that are making that even better. Um, just one example is, and we've been doing this for a while now, but we have uh, DFMs, you're all familiar with those, which are um, direct flash modules, mm -hmm. an alternative to an SSD. You know, we've, we've probably geeked out, or maybe we should geek out on a future episode about what all goes into a DFM, but DFMs fail at a rate 4X less than traditional SSDs. Right. So we already have that. Let's build on top of that some of the um, uh, the additional level of uh, communication between the controllers in a flash rate XL, um, the additional expansion slots that we have, some additional serviceability things that we thought about and that we designed into that architecture to make it so that, you know, we even have less need to uh, replace entire controllers from time to time. So all of that goes to making making that giving you the confidence to go put more in a single flash rate. And I'm going to do one more yes and because like we're bouncing back and forth <laughs> a little more organically this time. In case you listen, oh, we're trying to keep more conversation. We'll see how we do, right? But we've already done an expansion of the flash array family. 
That's and, and JD, I actually have a little bit of public track record on this, both for podcasts and coffee break around Flash Array C, right? It's a different performance profile because it's QLC. It can't be the exact same performance footprint, but it's the same purity. And so there's already Flash Array X. There's already Flash Array C from a more capacity focused standpoint. So there's this interesting track record about it being a family. Mm-hmm. Right, back to you. No, absolutely. And and what does it mean to be a family? You know, I look, there's lots of different vendors out there that have, uh, you know, multiple products to serve multiple needs. Right. Uh, but what ends up happening is we see sometimes those are, you know, completely different architectures or they're made through different acquisitions. And one of the things that's I think really compelling about the flash array, you know, portfolio um, is that it is a single common platform. And we saw that you alluded to this with flash Ray C taking that purity operating environment, taking that architecture, tweaking it just a little bit from a hardware perspective to make it really great on a particular use case, uh, a use case that was traditionally served with uh, hybrid storage, hybrid disk and flash storage, right? Now we can do that, but with all of those same features and the same UI API um, that you're used to with Purity. And we're essentially doing the same thing with Excel is same Purity, same set of features, same everything you know and love today from that platform, but tuned for an even higher class of service, right? So making it really simple for our customers to approach this and not have to completely redesign. It's it's virtually plug and play in an architecture that's already designed for Flash Array. And the interesting thing there is that sometimes when you get up to the level of capacity and throughput that Excel has, uh, you often have to go to a new OS. Uh, you have to think about, you know, different... Um, different admin skills, et cetera. So um, sometimes, and this is now, I'm, I'm going to just channel some of my history. You can find some of the products I've experienced on just looking at LinkedIn. But this is the same platform. We don't have directors and engines and a whole new architecture. And you've got to think about, you know, different ways of scale. It, it's the same approach as FlashRay overall. And, and like you mentioned, especially on the resiliency availability, the RAD stuff, resiliency availability, serviceability. What's cool there is we're now building it on top of an overall platform and hardware approach that already has six nines, not just theoretically, but proven empirically. Because sometimes you want to go to the bigger frames and people, they get really nervous about this stuff if there's not the RAD stuff theoretically, but also the track record of resiliency there too. So this is where I'm, I think we're going to maybe, hopefully won't beat this to death, but just the idea that this is a platform. It's the same platform. It goes further. That's actually pretty cool. It's actually, it's actually pretty unique. Yeah, absolutely. So Andrew, you asked a little bit about what it is. Um, well, in addition to being a platform, it is specifically, it's more performance. And we think about that more performance in terms of a percentage over what we have from Flash Ray X today, mm-hmm. right? So customers, you know, reaching the end of what they can do in, a, in an X90 R3, you know, Flash Ray X is going to give them some additional capability overhead on top of that. And, you know, I'm kind of avoiding naming specific numbers because A, we got some competitors that might be dropping in and B, um, I really want you to work with your SE to size that, right? We have some incredible tools that our engineers in the field have access to that can actually go and give you some really great ideas of how that's going to compare in an environment today. So um, significant performance in improvement in terms of throughput over and above uh, what you see out of a flash array X today. A little bit of a fun thing there is if, if you said, or I said, it's a bazillion IOPS, 
our credibility should go out the window if we didn't pair it up with what's the block size, what's the read-write ratio, all this stuff, right? So it's more about what's the percent increase mm -hmm. for the workload you've already got on a flash array up to this platform. And that we've done a lot, not a bazillion, but a lot of actually internal performance numbers that go into the tools that we use for that sizing kind of thing. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, you know, we kind of talked about what it is, but there's some things that we should be really clear it is not, right? There's some things... I love the, sim the simplicity and the focus on uh, intuitive use at Pure. Uh, we don't try to be everything for everyone. There's a couple things we don't do with Flash Rate XL Android, right? That is very true. So, so one there, this is where it's kind of fun to be contrarian, is it's not about lower latency. Like, er, it, it should be, right? Well, Flash Rate X already does, you know, sub-millisecond latency. Often we'll see half-millisecond, 500 microseconds if you want to be fancy. It's taken me a long time to get microseconds and milliseconds straight, but I think I've finally gotten there working for Pure for a little while. But we actually already have knobs and dials for people who need those last couple hundred microseconds of latency. So those are relatively expensive microseconds. We can do things with really two, Two, two main ones. We can do things with NVMe over fabrics on the front end. It's the same platform. We can do the same thing with FlashRay X and FlashRay XL. As well, we can do stuff with Intel Optane or direct memory modules that we put in as an enhanced read-only cache. We've actually done some some newer, cooler stuff you'll hear about there in upcoming period in, in you know, actually current period releases by the time this is released. That can help with you know pulling out another one or two hundred microseconds and even some performance modeling. So the, the cool thing there is that it is actually the same latency profile as flash array x but that's a good thing because if you need lower latency the same options apply and it's even better because if you're thinking about something like active cluster synchronous replication you could even do active cluster between a flash array x and a flash array xl because it is the same latency profile that's actually pretty neat i think that there's one other piece though that uh it, it's definitely not and I almost feel like we're kind of, I'm going to give this one more plug just because is it a different OS, JD? Is it different replication software, different data reduction? Go hit that softball. <laughs> well, you know, we kind of talked about this earlier, but 100% no, it's not. You already know how to use Purity today. You're going to be able to turn on a Flash Ray XL and you're going to feel very much at home. All of the same features, capabilities, um, and UI layout. API layout, CLI layout that you're used to today, all that's going to be very natural to you with a flash rate XL. And, and why would we change it? I mean, we've built a, a great platform there, so it really doesn't make sense to go do something drastically different there. There was a lot of hard engineering that we, we, we're not hitting on as much here around power supplies and heat and thermal envelopes and, and CPU and stuff that rolls into it being the same experience. There was one really fun technical I almost feel bad calling it a tidbit because if you're in pure engineering, you'll be like, come on, that's not a tidbit. It was a lot of work, <laughs> but it's a lot of work that's actually invisible, which is what makes it so fascinating. Yeah. And maybe I'll even start with a little bit of a history lesson, because I think this is in my eyes, really one of. Uh, maybe the second really big innovation in this space. You know, when we started uh, building FlashRay in the early days, even predating me, let's be really honest, but I've heard these great stories. You know, we wanted to really have that stateless controller architecture that's powered so much of what we do with Evergreen, um, with our some of that RAS that you talked about. And so we, we actually built an NVRAM module that could be dual ported, that could talk to both controllers at the same time. So it, it existed 
outside of any single controller, right? And that gave us tremendous flexibility to do some of those things I just described, right? So big innovation, number one, but there were some drawbacks to that. One, what are those drawbacks? Well, one was I have discrete slots in the front of a flash array where those NVRAM modules exist. And that means that's, that's physical real estate where I can't put storage, where I can't put direct flash modules that I can store my user data on, right? So it, it takes away from that a little bit. It also means that I'm very constrained in how many of those I can install an array. And look, we size them appropriately for the flash ray X. And so, um, you know, there, there was, to be clear, they weren't great for that architecture, but as we look to doing more, uh, you know, there, we really needed to be able to kind of scale beyond that. And so one of the, yeah. This is where I think about architecture is always a game of move the bottleneck mm-hmm. and trying to move the next bottleneck before we get to it. Because you are always going to have some bottleneck somewhere, right? That, that's the way things work. Yep. So one of the things that we did in this architecture that I think is just really cool is we took that NVRAM and we completely removed it from the discrete standalone NVRAM slots in the array. And we actually distributed it where? Well, right across all those direct flash modules. So now we actually have a new type of direct flash module called DFMD that has the NVRAM right on board. And that gives us some really cool options. One is now I don't have to take up a physical real estate. I can I can fit more direct flash modules in a flash array, 40 direct flash modules in 5U now. So that's what's getting us to those capacity scales, um, really allowing us to cram more in there. And it also gives us the flexibility of having more or less based on what we need, right? And so Andrew, we've got two models that we announced uh, at GA and they each have two different um, numbers, two different amounts of these DFMDs that we've developed um, either 20 or 30, depending on which of those models that, uh, that we're using. And so tremendous flexibility, tremendous additional density there. Um, And I think that's one of the really cool architectural bits that I'm, I'm glad we got the chance to talk about because you actually won't see it when you look at the front of a flash ray. It, it looks like something's missing. It's not, it's still there. It just got distributed. Exact same architecture, but with an enhanced implementation to make sure that the NVRAM isn't a bottleneck as we push the performance boundaries of flash ray even further. And, and like you just said, JD, um, if we didn't say anything, you wouldn't even know, but it's still fun to talk about under the covers, but it just works. It just works. I think we are into, oh no, actually I left out one thing. So I want to make sure to emphasize because this is, I was actually giving some um, credit to Alex McMullen, who's a field CTO and has been doing a bunch of briefings with the press around this. So one of the things that he's heard the most that has resonated, it's part of why you heard us weaving this thread before, is the value of this as a platform. It's a platform. It's the same platform. It's everything you know and love about Flash Array, but more. And with a lot of hard engineering to make that the case, like the simplicity of Flash Array, that only came via a lot of hard engineering under the covers. Making Flash Array bigger, that also came with a lot of hard engineering under the covers. That kind of thing. Indra missed one. Another Good. big technological advancement. So, you know, mm. we're, we're known for the exciting faceplates that we developed. <gasps> um, you know, I, I'm, I, I love this kind of 
gray metallic tone and the flasher AC. I think, I think that's super awesome. Uh, I'll give you a, a little bit of a throwback here for those on the, on the pod today who remember object engine, that was a white face plate. That was super cool. And, and it's kind of hard to come by. So I'm, I'm on the market for one of those. If you see one, you can send my way, but, uh, with flash ray XL, we've now got five rack U to fill completely new. I'm calling it the wave design flash plate. I think this is going to look really great in, uh, in some data centers. And by the way, for anyone who's out there who's thinking like, Hmm, this is an expansion of the flash rate lineup. You're saying more throughput. You're saying, but what sounds like lots of cool stuff. Is there an elephant in the room? What about this compared to, say, Flashblade? Mm-hmm. Well, there are definitely different design principles there. I mean, under the covers, we think about terms all the way down in product design in terms of capacity, in terms of latency, in terms of throughput. We talked about this before we started. There's no way we're going to fully explore this. So if you're thinking about that stuff, join us for a future episode. We're going to play out some of the underlying design principles in Pure's portfolio, but really even just storage and platforms in general, data platforms, not even you know physical ones. Frankly, it can be virtual ones too or in the cloud and how that plays out, where protocols fit into that, where they protocols should fit in the decision tree. Hopefully not, frankly, the first decision, but come back. Join us for a future episode if you're wondering about that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to having that discussion with you because you're absolutely right. We've spent a lot of time today focusing on how we've we've built out this single, I'm going to say it one more time, probably the 30th time we said a platform for Flash Ray today, C, X, and XL. But there are absolutely times when the design criteria calls for a different platform. There's very good reasons for that. I think you and I are very good at justifying when we've done that and why we've done that. And so I look forward to having that chat with you. So if you were, anyone was playing buzzword bingo at home and just put platform in every single square, uh, they totally wanted this episode, I think, you know, so yeah, I think we're, I think we're coming down the home stretch. There's one final segment that I usually turn over to y'all just given our, uh, you know, our different interests, but I think it's been a favorite Rob. I'm going to let JD kick off because I usually Bogart the, uh, the the first one <laughs> and then he gets to make some kind of snide comment about my selection because I'm, I'm not into all those hoity-toity IPAs and those fancy high-rated beers. I do love the one you're doing today, though. That's... Uh, that's a great choice. And you found it. Is it not something that you can normally find in the, in the, in the pack Northwest? You oh, said you were going to Bogart Rob if you already did. Just, just saying, by the way. Oh, okay. JD, keep going. Rob, you, you know, I love giving you a hard time, but I also, for the most part, really love hearing your excitement about your beers. And every once in a while, I even love the beers that you mentioned. So we have a good time. So uh, nothing but love for you, my friend, but yeah, I had a really exciting experience. Um, I, uh, I got to travel recently back to Arkansas. That is where I grew up. I still have a lot of family there, including my mother and my mother. Congrats again, just got married. Congrats to you and Joe. Um, but on my way down, I stopped to get some sundries before I made my way to the cabin that I was staying at. And as I look on the shelf, what do I see? But a 12 pack of Bell's two hearted ale from Comstock, Michigan. This beer is unobtainium in the Pacific Northwest. And why was I so excited? Because if you follow the American Homebrewers Association at all, which I do, I'm a homebrewer as well. I think we've talked a little, actually, in fact, Rob, I think we talked about that very, our very first time together on the podcast. Um, But if you follow the American Homebrewers Association and read their magazine, Zymergy, um, you probably are aware that for the last four years, 17, 18, 19, and 20, 
Bell's Two Hearted Ale has been voted the best beer in America by the readers of Zymergy and uh, members of the American Homebrewers Association. So not having direct access to this beer in the Pac Northwest, I was super excited to come by it. I did enjoy uh, several of those. I left many behind when I had to leave and uh, hopefully they were enjoyed by others, but that's a great beer. Now I, I will contrast that a little bit with a beer that we love in the Pac Northwest, Pliny the Elder, which by the way, won this uh, Best Beers in America award the prior eight years in a row to Bell's Two-Hearted Ale. And so a little, you know, I, I love Bell's. That's my beer of the month. But I do want to give a shout out to another Pac Northwest or West Coast, I should say, West Coast favorite, uh, uh, Pliny the Elder by Russian River. Yeah. But uh, what are you drinking uh, lately, Rob? It's hard to compete with Bells and Pliny, but I am in the midst of winter warmer season. We went Ooh. from pumpkin. No, we went from Oktoberfest to fall pumpkin beers that you pour down that I tend to enjoy trying. And now I really enjoy the just winter more open minded than I am. I know. I know. I, I, I'm a beer savant. What can I say? <laughs> uh, but these tend to be a little bit higher alcohol content, uh, but they are spiced and a little bit heavy. So, you know, one is usually maybe enough, maybe two if it's a, if a longer evening, but I was really excited because it's an annual release that 21st Amendment does. Their brewery in San Francisco, really cool brew pub out on the uh, South Market area. Uh, Fireside Chat, annual release, and, and while not winning the best beer in America, I know it's been recognized with a silver medal at the GABR. And additionally, it's got a cool can. It's got FDR on the cam image as a callback to when FDR, U.S. president, used to do fireside chats on the radio. So that, J.D., is what is in my fridge, and it is a fun season. And you got to scoop them up because pretty soon it's going to roll around to February, and we're going to be into my box and all sorts of other <laughs> light saisons and all sorts of lighter things. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scoop up all the heavy beers that I can right now. But uh, hope people enjoy the beer segment and gives them some ideas ideas about what to go out and look for, but now you know what's in our fridge, or at least in JD's case, what he found while he was out traveling. And Rob, I feel a little guilty about giving you a hard time about the pumpkin beer. I, I just want to point out, I think 21st uh, Amendment is an amazing brewery. I can actually get that in Seattle. So I, and I don't believe I've ever had fireside chat. So I'm going to, I'm going to leave here today and I'm going to go see if I can't pick one of those up and give it a shot because I'm so sure it's it going to be You'll delicious. Enjoy. You'll enjoy. And there's no pumpkin in it. And I think it's still a fun, a fun <laughs> thing. I, I take no offense whatsoever. Mr. Miller, you want to take us home? I don't know. I think uh, it's just, it's a fun time of year. I think we've all got stuff going on for the holidays. Hopefully, if you're out there listening, you'll have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. Thanks so much for joining us. It's especially cool to hear from listeners uh, that you've, you've been listening and enjoying the shows. We try to bring something a little bit more real. And do not hesitate, please, to give us feedback about stuff that you'd like to hear about. We're pulling this from what we think is interesting because we talk to enough people as part of our you know day jobs. But please don't hesitate to give us feedback, as always. J.D., closing words. Go, uh, go try some winter warmers and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and find more information about XL on uh, purestorage.com. Thanks, uh, thanks for chatting with me, uh, Rob and Andrew. It's uh, been fun as always, and I look forward to our next conversation where we dig a little bit deeper on uh, some of those differences you talked about between uh, the platform decisions that we made between Flash Ray and Flash Blade. So looking forward to the next one. Absolutely. Well done, gents. I always love listening to you cook. And for you out there listening, thank you for tuning into this episode of The Pure Report Unplugged with JD and with Andrew. Uh, we will bring another one to you very soon. For any feedback, 
please email us at purereport at purestorage.com. And with that, we're wrap for Pure Storage and our esteemed unplugged hosts, Andrew Miller and J.D. Wallace. This is Rob Ludeman saying, don't look back. Something might be gaining on you.